Climbell Digital, episode 52, with the videographer Stuart Mackey. I'm Bernie Goldbach. Stuart Mackey is involved in all things video. So what, what are you doing, Stuart? I can spot based on things you share on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and other places that you're involved in the video space. Can you tell us what you're doing? My professional job title at the moment is a VFX data wrangler and texture artist. <laughs> It, it, right. It sounds like you're a three-in-one special. Oh, God. Five-in-one, and I don't even know how to do any of them. So, All right. Okay. Let's break it down. Technically, video wrangler. Would you I'm say? a video data wrangler. So when okay. it comes to TV, I work in the film industry. All right. I work for the media company Skydance, which is over in America. And they're mm-hmm. currently working alongside Apple in Limerick at the moment on a new TV show called Foundation. Okay. Now, what studio? Studio Choice Studios. All right. So they've got space in Troy. They've got immense space in Troy, and they're constantly expanding. We've become the biggest film studio in Ireland. How many square feet? Do you know? No, no clue. So you'd be that, I would say, the biggest film studio in Ireland would be bigger than Ardmore. That means it's at least 20,000 square feet. Are you down in where? What, what part of Limerick? Um, Castle Troy, about 25,000. Right, that yeah. big. Yeah. And they're expanding from what I hear. So cool. Uh, you're using not just a camera, but some software. So what kind of software are you using for all this? Software I'd use between all the Adobe products from Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, Premiere, After Effects would be big ones. And then I use um, external things like Trap Code, Cinema 4D, Agisoft, Capture Reality. <laughs> Um, hold on, 3DX Masks, 3DOR, it, the list kind of goes on. and All on your one computer? All on my one computer. All right, describe that, because that's not a typical, like, Surface Go. When what I, do you have? When I was looking for a computer, I didn't want to go for a Mac. I went for a proper gaming laptop. Okay. Even though I'm not a gamer, but I just needed that graphics card, so I went for an ASOS Strix. And All right. It, and definitely does the job for what wow. I need. Is it air, water-cooled? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, with how big's the screen? Boom, 16.5 inches. And how heavy is that thing? You're not carrying that very often, are you? Oh, no, I am. It's, it's actually quite light. We'll maybe. take a picture of that when we finish. This is, that's really amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, now, um, my wife did the same thing years ago, bought a heavy, big, like 16 gig of RAM machine. She didn't call it a gaming laptop. She called it an animation production laptop, a multimedia laptop. It's, it's held up well, mm-hmm. but the hinge will crack if you... Throw it around the bus, just so you know. And if you lose your display monitor, oh, it's so hard. Oh, no, this one I bought just as I graduated college to go when I was moving to Galway for yeah. my first video production job. And it's lasted me like three years. Well, walk me through that. You, you, you went from college, and it sounds like you didn't do a backpack trip around the world. You went to... That's what I planned, but um, actually Mike Kiley, if he's still here. Yeah, he? yeah. Mike Kiley got me an interview up in Galway for a graphic design job in Easy Living Furniture. And while I was there... Um, they asked me would I consider, you know, joining video production or starting up their video production because yeah. they were looking to get into that because we were all graphic design and print. Yeah, yeah. So I pushed for that. I bought the, the, um, the laptop and I just kind of um, spearheaded what is now their online digital content creation. Right, but what, that was not like big screen cinema. That was no, like that small was all screen. Facebook ads, in right, Instagram, right. LinkedIn. All right, and uh, you would have picked up some skills here for that, but to do those kind of ads, to do that kind of video, can you walk me through like the end product is landscape or portrait or both? The, the message is what? What a lot of over a lot of the message text. is always one thing: sell the product. Okay, so you do it by product launch, product display. 
more text flyouts, more product placement and emotive content. Good. Good. We would never say buy this product for this price because you need it. It'd always be. We'd always try to have a story behind something revolving around the product. We're a happy family. We happen to have this couch. We're a happy family. We happen okay. to have this dining table. All Where, this. Where'd you get the talent for that kind of thing? You're, you're, you're telling me you got people in there, not just dogs. <laughs> when we started, we took one of the visual merchandisers, and as I was basically working up, because I, I, I hadn't a clue, guys, what I was doing. I was literally <laughs> falling flat on my face at video after video. Wait a minute, but you did really good video editing here. So what do you mean in terms of producing what the client wanted or technically you had a Personally, product? personally. Like I look back on anything I make and I'm like, that can always be better. Right. I'll always improve it. Even when the client says that's good enough for us, I'm like, yeah. are you sure? Do you think we can do better? Because they always get attached for, to the emotion that right. I try to put into the videos and the promos. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay, does that, did any of your stuff go into big screen to cinema? To cinema at the moment, I've worked on two films that are going to be coming out. The Green Knight. Okay. I was on that. That filmed in Care. Okay. So I was part of that shooting crew. And then there's an American one where I did a tiny bit of the video production. That's going to be in America at some point, like in 2021. Are you going to be listed in the credits? What? You'll be in the credits. I'll be listed in the credits. Yes. My IMDb. You know. <laughs> Very good. Everybody needs an IMDb uh, if you're a proper video artist. Mm. How about like for cinema ads? Have you gone to cinema ads at all in anything you've done? No, because even though I appreciate everything I learned while I did all the promos and adverts for Easy Living Furniture, I realized I hated making those kind of video content, <laughs> basically telling people, give me your money for this product. Did, I, yeah. Did you? Um, what's the highest resolution stuff you've shot? 4K, 4.5K. How big of a leap will it be if you go to 8K? Um, it's not actually because we usually, um, now we shoot in 8K and we compress down to 4.5K. And so then, we always say we shoot in 4.5, but we really shoot in like 8.2 or 7.95. What frame rate are you using? Oh, that can go from like, <laughs> that can go from 23.976 to 59 point whatever to 120. On a film set, what are you on shooting? What are you shooting on a film set? All that. Same thing on like a normal Canon, you know, like 5D Mark IV. What do you, do you have a, uh, do you love a certain frame rate yourself because you can see stuttering at 24 frames oh, a second? Oh, 59. If I can shoot everything in 59 <laughs> frames a second, I will do it. It sounds really snobbish, but it's so true. So, yeah. Okay. So what refresh rate do you have on that laptop then? Um, I don't actually know. No, I've never. Tried. All right, that's that's that's. But you're ready for the 8K sitting room experience if you're shooting at that and you're rendering at that. That's really, really, that's impressive. Oh, it takes like the render time is immense. Like literally, go away, have a cup of coffee, write yourself right. a book, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So you want to actually get a second render farm to do some of that back end grunt work for you. Okay, you're finding your project. It sounds like it didn't prepare you for all this stuff. But what did you do here on this campus for finding your project? My final year project was probably one of the best things to prepare me. Okay. The motion graphics, the video side, the stills photography, everything that I put into my final year project because um, when I was here, I was horrible. I mean, horrific at coding. So it was literally a case of, can I do everything for my final year project but code, <laughs> which they allowed. Yeah. So um, I basically leapfrogged into doing things like um, shooting um, photo shoots. So I did that. My whole thing around was... Um, the Irish male mentality yeah. and depression and how you know sports and fitness is able to help with that. So I went and I did a whole promotional ad campaign where I shot video, I did motion graphics and 3D compositing, I did um, 
photo shoots, like I've said before. And all of this is what I learned while I was here. It prepared me for my job interview, which I am almost like set me up for what I was going to present in all these presentations mm. and marketing campaigns. Sounds like you were ahead of the crowd with Easy Living Furniture because you, you had what they didn't know they needed at the time. I had what they didn't know they needed, but I didn't know I had what certain companies need. Okay. And now when I do freelance, because I do it on the odd side, this is what I tell them that they're going to need, and I show them why they need it. Right. Yeah. As long as they trust you with it, because this is that's, that's, that's a deep dive into some of the mm-hmm. technology. All right, so now you're with a group of interaction design students, and I'd yeah. like to know, when you sell it to a client, the client kind of knows what they want to sell, and you know emotive value is what they need to sell. Mm-hmm. And you're going to bring that into it. How do you conceptualize the keyframes by storyboard or the keyframes by still screenshot or the keyframe by maybe a four-second part of an outtake? How do you conceptualize for the client, hey, look, this is the message that you told me you want to sell that needs to come to the viewer, and this is what it looks like when it's slowed down into four seconds, extracted as four seconds, or snapped as a single frame. How do you, how do you get to that? When I first sit down with a client and they give me like their product or they give me their event or they give me their show they want to sell, I first ask them why. And I just keep asking that question and I basically let the client tell me everything and it comes into a personal reason for them. And when I find that personal reason, I will try and make that into their concept for what they want. I'll constantly let them talk about why they want to do something. And when I find that key moment that they have like... um, well, my family, like, uh, give me an example. Sorry, I'm not explaining myself well. Uh, recently, I promoted a, a small GEA, um, you know, club in the back end of Clare. And the people were like, okay, we need to do this because we have no social media presence. We have very few followers and we have no one coming. Okay, but why do you want a social media presence? Because we want more people to join our club and Good. to be part of our event. Okay, but why do you need that? Because, well, you know, it's a great part of the community. Why is it a great part of the community? Because when I was a child, I had a great sense of community, and I made so many friends here. That's what you want. You Good want friends. Yep. a family. Everything comes back to family value for most marketing, but just for this particular case, mm-hmm. it was definitely we want to promote a family unit in this whole GA-scape that we're going to promote on your social media that will gain traction with um, a demographic of teenagers between the ages of 10 to 17 who have social media and then Mm -hmm. parents from 20 as far as 45 and this is going to get you the promotional content you want and then we'd go from the storyboard but they usually just fall along with whatever you give them because you already have their personal value in it and their concept what for them to know that you got that what are you showing them are you showing them all right look here's my first render or or you're showing them okay here's your storyboard you've told me about what do you to close the deal to say you know, start shooting or start rendering what are you showing them in the end that i give step? them concept pieces so i'd literally okay. go and i would just literally take some stock images put it together and say this is what we're going to have and if they ask for a storyboard i'll quickly sketch one up just saying like these are the kind of frames i'm thinking about what do you think but i'll always make sure that i have their underlying um need or want in there how do you um, how much direction do you get from a client when it comes to like color scheme, background imagery, or embedded placement? Definitely compares whether you're doing um, small scale or big scale. Um, if you're doing with the company, you're going to have their whole branding and their whole color schemes. 
And if you're dealing with a small end client, they're usually happy to get whatever you give them, but they will have very little um, knowledge of what they want. They know they want something. They don't know what color they want or anything like that. Can you give a – if I were a client, could you give me advice about whether I could use an iPhone in your your clip, (laughs) whether I could drive a BMW in it? Would you know rules that other brands have about – using their brand in a shot that you want to make Ooh, see this compares whether we're going like for full advertising and marketing or whether we're just making promotional content if i wanted to use like the bmw brand i probably couldn't if it was going to go national campaigns okay because you'd need well you could if you were to like buy you know like um their advertising from bmw but if it was for a small um, let's say ad campaign that was just going on Facebook. There is usually no issue, and you usually won't get monetized or targeted for that. Okay. Yeah. Like there but would be, be no copyright infringement on it. You you bring that to the client's attention. Yeah. Okay. Just as a matter of interest, if you're going to make a GAA or a rugby or a Premier League promo against yeah. racism, if the crowd that's spitting racial diatribes at a player mm-hmm. happens that that villainous crowd used an iPhone, Apple will be all of your case. Yeah. However, if the ref put out his red card, and when he did, had an Apple iPhone at the same time, that's okay. So the Apple can never be associated with villainous behavior. Yeah. But they will let you use the iPhone as a prop. Recognizable oh. iPhone, you know, or recognizable Apple logo, as long as the villain's not using that MacBook Pro. It depends how it. recognizable it is. I mean, like, if we have the Apple logo clearly visible, mm-hmm. clearly visible, and someone from Apple gets onto you, then there is a case that someone's going to come for you. No, they will. But I'm saying they definitely will come for you with oh. all kinds of guns blazing if a villain has an iPhone. Yes. Just it's amazing how. But Apple's been really lenient lately about like where it wants to let product placement happen in Netflix and, and Amazon Prime videos. So yeah. You can see their, their brand phone, their brand identity showing up and thinking, all right, that surprises me. And, and I've listened to tech guys say that's because as long as you're not the villain. Yeah. You're able to use. Clever. Where could someone see samples of this stuff? Do you have stuff like linked that, that shows your easy living collateral or your GA stuff? or you... The whole easy living website like is still has maybe like 50% of the content that wow. I made because it's like I left there over a year ago. Mm-hmm. But like LinkedIn, my website, Stuart Mackey Design, you know, yeah. if, if you are a designer and you want to get out there, you need a website, you need a LinkedIn and in, if you want a professional Instagram, you can, or just literally put up your content on your own Instagram, yeah. depending on how much you want. Um, then there's like Twitter. I basically any social media platform that I use that I also interact with professionals, yeah. I will have my content up there. Well, you're on Instagram, StuartMackey.on, right? That's what you yeah. do for your Instagram handle. And then um, you might want to change your LinkedIn pro- handle to be in that too. It's StuartMackey.on. Yeah. I'll do that with you. It's kind of fun. Right. So. How do you upskill, Stuart? Because you went from here mm-hmm. to Galway. You learned stuff with Easy Living that then allowed you to jump right into Troy. With I mean, how did you do that? Um, that's that's not simple. Upskilling is a case of see every opportunity as a learning curve and always be willing to like be coachable. Like whoever you're with, always try and learn from who you want and literally just self-education. Wait a minute. So now here's what you're telling me. If everything you do is a self-learning opportunity, you're yeah. suggesting to me that 20% of every gig you do, you set aside to learning how to do it better. Yeah. Wow. I, the biggest thing I learned, and I'm so grateful for Clonmel here, is 
the fact they do help you a certain amount of the way. But if you, everyone in your class, and I've said this for so many years, and everyone in every class is basically your competition. If you want to be better than them in your field, you're going to need to self-educate because you all have the same playing field here. Same foundation skills too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and every opportunity you get is a learning experience. Right. And like even spending like four or five hours, you know, a week, literally just watching tutorials. I always say it, I had so many lectures here and then I had YouTube. YouTube is an amazing place to learn and then you have things like online platforms like Skillshare, Udemy, all yeah. these that you can... LinkedIn Learning is yeah. a free service here now. The Creative Cloud has stuff that takes you down Apple, uh, Adobe tutorials. You've got to make time for it. You, you, know? you do, but um, like all these you can utilize, like put you ahead of 70% of the curve in little to no time. You did a lot of upskilling here, and you've continued that process on the job. When you left here, what do you think your most valuable skill was? Um, self-discipline, to do it. Now, to me, that translates into, I've got to hit the gym at a certain time. <laughs> no, it does, it does, because you, you have a time frame. Saying, I'm not going to turn into a mental midget or vegetable. My brain's not going to go to mush because I've spent too much time on screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had a certain routine. I was very disciplined when I was here. Right, and you picked that up. Definitely by year three. Did you have it in year one? Oh, no. Year one was all the takeaways, going out, drinking, <laughs> you know, like... Okay. Yeah. But so when did it kick in? Second year, third third year, for sure. I think it probably kicked in. I think like, it kicked in second year when, you know, I realized that I wanted to drop out because okay. I had no interest in this course. But then I found my interest in the photography and the videography. So Good. we didn't have that in first year. First Good. year was mainly all the coding, yeah. which for a dyslexic, you know, is kind of... Counterintuitive. You know, that's we're limited by place and space. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, place being like you can only have a certain number of hours in the day. Mm-hmm. Most people don't want to go to eight o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. So you could probably have been exposed to those other modules at a first as a first year student if it ran at a different time to fit into the limited number of times uh, yeah. people but and that's a problem across all in education. To be honest, totally. in the first year I was just like a lazy I was lazy. I did not like yeah, understand well, what I had here. It's that that has not. I mean, that you still see that now. People come in trying to figure out why are we here, yeah, and what's ahead of you, and then all of a sudden you make a, you get a focus. But the focal point is really cool to hear. The focal point came to you when you were in a module that you thought I can do this. This mm-hmm. is exactly what I wanted to do. I didn't know, and so now I'm wondering, could we have not exposed that prospect of? better opportunities in second year to you when you were in first year. I mean, you might not have seen the other stuff. You were walking down the hallway and not figuring out somebody was doing this work. We need to make this more visible to people because we, you know, it's a a hidden factor across Ireland. Like 50% of everyone entering first year doesn't finish their first year. But it doesn't count as nutrition because they self-eliminate. But that's what you said. Like, people need to find their focus. Yeah. Yeah, and... um for me, when I first came in here, I had the focus that I was going to be a web designer and developer. Mm-hmm. When I realized that, you know, it wasn't really going to be feasible for me. Yeah. You know, I thought maybe I was just a failure. But then in second year, when I found the more creative outlets that didn't need me to, you know, be very analytical in writing aspects. No, but you, you're analytical in doing what the job is now. Because I mean, to bring the focus of here's what my client wants, I'm going to tell my client what he or she wants based on yeah. concepts, written imagery, textual. You're giving all that back. That's really that's 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 really lovely. Um, would you ever be con- con- 
CERN, would you be, ever be interested in taking the skills you've learned to a higher academic level? Like there's an MA in creative leadership practice that are thinking about running here. Be free, but it does take time. Would you be interested in doing upskilling as a degree at all? Yeah. The last two years I've been like, I'm going to go back. I'm going to do my master's. And then, you know, some job has come along and I've missed the deadline for the application. And then this year, this job is just like it's taken me away. Yeah. And it's probably going to take me away in September. So I was like, I can't apply for... You got to you got to carve carve out the time for it, but then yeah, yeah that's that's really that's a, those things are kind of important. How do you stay in touch with other people in your space? You mentioned Instagram, you mentioned LinkedIn. Is there another special place like I at the Irish Film Institute on the third Thursday of every month because there'll be three or four A-listers there? Is there any physical place or electronic watering hole you go to say, yeah, this is worth it? A subreddit, for example, or uh, a Slack group. The biggest thing that I go to is Instagram, mainly because I don't have the physical time to actually go physically meet people anymore. Okay, so you're scrubbing down as well as sideways. Yeah. Your stories. Are, okay, good stuff. Um, you have an active lifestyle, I think, by respect what you've been able to do and stay fit. Can you define your active lifestyle, either active Stuart, the videographer, or active Stuart, the guy who uses the gym for a creative outlet? By an image. If somebody were to conceptualize you and say, we have four images of Stuart, mm-hmm. what would be one of those images that define you, the active lifestyle person? You would see me on the side of my bed, and you see my alarm clock saying 4 a.m. <laughs> the second image, you would see me in the gym, on a treadmill. No, not on a treadmill, on a bike. Which with, gym are you at? Uh, right now I'm in a gym called Monster Pro Fitness beside yeah. UL. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> You'd see me on the like an elliptical or something with yeah. a book in my hand. Oh gosh! No, it's it's not. <laughs> then you'd see me in work, literally taking a nap. Wow! Yeah, on my break. And the last image you'd see me like um, leaving work at something like nine o'clock. You know what I see is your rendering screens. <laughs> yeah, and I see some concept work. So I, I missed I missed those other gaps in time. They're important. Mm-hmm structural points. Stuart, any questions for me or for, for the group? Because I want to just basically tell people where to go first, which is you can find what we're listening to by just asking your smart assistant for a Climate Digital podcast. We're trying to make a domain name. I have a domain name called climatedigital.com. We're going to make something where I'm talking to other graduates. Mm-hmm. So after this episode, you'll hear Joshua Farrell Hurley talking. He's in Spearline. Yeah. yeah. So you hear him. And then I'm hoping... So the question, last question I have for you, who, what other voice would you like to hear? Would you like me to get Catherine O'Donnell? Would you like me to get Sheila Carew? Would you like me to, who would you say, I'd tune back in if I knew that this person was there and I'd listen to him on the treadmill? The first person I'd want to hear from is Aaron McLaughlin. All right. Yeah. We'll get Aaron. And I know who Aaron was going to want to have us get, who's hard. <laughs> Aaron wants to get Sheila, um, Laura Piggott. And Laura's been, oh. Laura's busy, busy, busy. Okay, questions for us before we, we shut off and say thank you, Stuart. Um, tell me about interaction design for you. Yeah, well, let me, let me get that from unsuspecting punter. Geraldine, can you tell us what interaction design is? It's trying to make the best possible product for a user. Okay, that's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah. That's pros- How about you, Joss? Would you add to that? Because you heard, yes. Yes, because from teamwork, you ask the most questions. So, okay, so it's... No, it's from you. Go for it. Just because we have to just have gender balance here. What is the interaction design from Yasuo? Interaction design for me is similar to what Geraldine said, really, just like I don't know, looking at looking at a product and just designing the best thing you can. 
um, and how you interact with it. Um, what we learned here is how you interact with different different softwares and um, different designs. Yeah. I've kind of made it, I would call it pretty simple in a sense, to say I had them do some product, some some concepts mm-hmm. on cardboard, basically, and I'm also asking them to read the book, The Art of Noticing, The Art of the Art of Everyday, the Art of Everyday Things by Don Norman. Oh, gosh. Why? What's the oh, gosh moment for you? I, I, could, I tried to read that book. It's so difficult. It's really, it's really good, but like just after like 20 pages, I'm just like, oh, my mind. Okay. Okay, well, he has a thing about doors, yeah. which is very relevant to corona time and doors. People touch doors, they can't get through them. And like he has, he's the door meme master. Like he, whenever he goes anywhere, it's always the door that's in his way that doesn't work right. Um, we have the Audible book, which is easier to digest. I'll shoot that to you, and you can try to go through that as you treadmill it. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, like, John Norman influenced Johnny Ive, influenced the world of the iPhone user. So it is relevant. Anyway, just to get back to it here, ClamaDigital.com. Ask your smart speaker for Clama Digital Podcast. You'll find more of this kind of exciting stuff. Background music from Andre Louis. Everybody listen to Andre. Good tracks. He has thousands of gigs of stuff for available. I'm Bernie. That was Stuart. Dara, thanks for doing the recording. 